0: Welcome to Drilling Deep. I am your host, John Kingston. Coming up in a bit, Omnitrax has done a study on how long and how far ranging is the impact that trucking markets get from hurricanes. That's very relevant as we enter that season. The head of that project at Omnitrax is here to speak with us. Just hang on for a few minutes. Speaking of drilling, since that's the name of the show, the oil patch is drilling for a lot more oil and gas right now. The U.S. rig count is up more than 170 rigs from a year ago. You need to drill to get oil, and you need oil to get diesel, and you need diesel to run trucks, and you need refineries to make that oil into diesel. Let's talk about that for a bit. You know, the first signs of concern in markets about the virus, the coronavirus coming, coming out of Wuhan last year in China, that first showed up in the prices of diesel and jet fuel. Why? Because the first assumption was not that we were going to have a global pandemic, but that we probably would have some reduction in, in international travel. Jet fuel and diesel are both distillates, so the assumption was that a decline in jet fuel use would spill over into diesel markets, and that price would go down. Refineries in the U.S. reacted to that pretty quickly, at least that's what the data says. Refinery operating rates in the U.S. were above 90% in the second week of January of last year. By the third week, they had slipped below 90%, and that's at a time when they're usually running at a pretty good clip because of winter heating oil demand. With lower prices for all prices, all oil prices, but especially distillates, it looks like refineries didn't wait. Instead, they cut runs quickly. This past week, the Energy Information Administration put out its weekly statistical report, as it does every Wednesday. And what it showed was that the U.S. refinery operating rate had cleared 90% for the first time since the beginning of January of last year, with prices well above their pre pandemic highs and now refineries back chugging away at pre-pandemic levels and inventories down to more normal levels, I think we can declare that in terms of oil markets, the pandemic is over. Let's talk about prices for a bit on commodity markets this week. The price of ultra-low sulfur diesel rose again slightly. It's up about two and a half cents per gallon from where it was last week when I recorded Drilling Deep. Wholesale diesel prices, though, they've barely budged. What's interesting is that retail prices have not risen as much as wholesale levels over the last few weeks. The weekly EIA-DOE average retail diesel price, the one that everybody looks at, was up 1.9 cents per gallon in the latest weekly number. But what that means is that the small increase came as wholesale prices rose 7.6 cents per gallon in about that same time span. And yet retail was up less than two cents that has resulted in the spread between wholesale prices and retail prices sitting at its lowest level of the year, based on our data series called fuels in sonar. And that what, what that means is that retail probably still has some room to grow if commodity and wholesale prices remain fairly flat. Beyond that, it's been mostly a fairly quiet week in oil markets. The price of West Texas Intermediate crude did hit $70 per barrel for the first time in about two and a half years. And with more reports of strong inflation, there remains the question of just how much oil will ride the back of those inflationary trends. But for right now, we seem to have hit a smooth spot. We are going to transition here now on Drilling Deep, and we are going to talk about hurricane season, which technically has begun. It begins on June 1st. though as we know, August and into October tends to be the heaviest time of hurricane activity. Over at OmniTract, which is the big ELD provider, among other things, they've done a lot of work recently on the impact of hurricanes. On trucking fleets and on the transportation sector in general. Uh, they use that data uh, to make themselves just part of their whole offering to make themselves a leading software as a service company, also known as SaaS. We're happy to have with us today Dr. Ashim Bose. He's the Chief Data and Artificial Intelligence Officer at Omnitracks. Uh, Dr. Bose has led a recent study on just how big the impact from a storm is on trucking and transportation, and he's going to share some of those findings with us. So, uh, Ashim, welcome to Drilling Deep.
1: Thanks a lot, John. Glad
0: to be here. Okay, so you've been collecting data for years, obviously at Omnitracks. I mean, you collect thousands of data points. You probably collected around a thousand data points or more just since we started speaking. <laughs> so, tell <laughs> me about this study and why you undertook it.
1: Yeah, so so we are at Omnitracks. Uh, We're privileged to support a wide variety of customers across multiple industries that move goods. You know pretty much across all of north america and beyond and um so it's uh we're always looking for ways to um showcase you know what we see in the data the insights the trends recommendations uh, to help our customers and provide more value you know through the data we collect if you will and um we undertook this study because you know um, hurricanes are you know they cause a lot of havoc um you know obviously there is the uh, the immediate area where uh they hit and uh and there is a ripple effect you know when it comes to the supply chain uh you know a lot of the the bad weather occurs in the coastal areas which have uh impacts on shipping and uh, delivering goods um you know, that are received from abroad and so on. So um, um, this looked like uh, an interesting data problem to to look at. But more importantly, uh, it has significant impact, both short term and midterm in the supply chain. And it's a part of a continuing effort we have. You know, a few months ago, we put out a report on industry intelligence that covered the um, Impact of COVID um, last year, and there were some really interesting trends that um, we saw in the data, and so uh, we got really good feedback. And since then, we've been uh, on the lookout for other angles to look at to make sure that we are providing, you know, value-added insights to our um, stakeholders, our customers, and so on.
0: All right. So you you put out a press release about the uh, about the report. That's what ca- caught my eye. And uh, I think the kind of the, the headline number or the headlines to, to fact in the press release was that you found that the impact from a storm in the freight sector can last as long as thirty days after the storm presumably makes landfall. Um, can is that is that like kind of a mean? Does it sometimes last even longer? Why don't you talk about some of those findings?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, going back to the ripple effect, it does. It starts before the. The storm hits and it continues well after the storm has uh, landed, if you will. And the reason for that is uh, there is a preparation phase where, you know, um, goods are being moved to the right locations, you know, uh, by the the various shippers, receivers, FEMA, etc., before the storm hits. And that's what we call the preparation phase. And then, of course, uh, you get to the landfall phase when things shut down. You know, people are hunkered down, hopefully parked in safe locations, and uh, not much is happening in terms of trucking activity, especially around the area where the storm hits. And then once the storm is passed, you get into the recovery phase where uh, the shipping you know, increases again, things start moving, goods start moving, and... Um, The freight, you know, is moved to the locations where it's needed, which means that uh, there is usually a spike, you know, even beyond the average, if you will. So, as we look at the three phases—preparation, the landfall, and the recovery—we find that uh, that can extend weeks, and in some cases, over a month. Uh, So, the 30 days is more of a mean, I would say. It can get longer depending on the scope of the Impact, and um, you know, it starts with um, the the area most affected where the storm hits. But there are ripple effects in adjacent areas as well, because um, as the economic activity peaks or craters in the affected area, it has direct impact in terms of the adjacent states, because at the end of the day, the goods have to come from somewhere they come from the adjacent states or from you know the shipping lanes and so on so there is definitely an impact felt there as well and that ripple can go even beyond um you know it, the ripple effect can be felt beyond the immediate impact duration if you will because uh, at the end of the day the the goods that are being transferred will be moved to the adjacent areas and then beyond so it's a, Quite interesting to see this ripple effect.
0: I was going to ask, when, when does your data say it's over? Is it is it when like sort of miles driven or some sort of volume data gets back to maybe some kind of like a five year average number? You say, okay, the the number of miles driven in the let's say hundred mile two hundred mile radius from the storm is back down to normal. Is that when you sort of say, okay, this lasted thirty days?
1: Yeah, so, so you know we we track these uh, metrics. Um, we have. Several of them, you know, uh, we have something we call our miles index, which is an indicator of, you know, trucking activity by state. Um, we have another index for uh, stop serviced and we, you know, monitor these on a monthly basis. And, um, you know, obviously when these things happen, the, you know, the indexes uh, jump one way or the other. And then we look for how long it takes for them to get back to the norm. And that's how we know the effect has finished.
0: Now, one thing that I found interesting in your study um, is that uh, you found the total miles driven as a result of a storm really didn't rise overall. You, you talked about the three phases, and obviously there's going to be mileage shifts among those three phases. But then when you add it all up, it usually comes out to like a net of zero. Did that finding surprise you? It did, uh, and it didn't. Um,
1: I'm going to speak out of both sides of my mouth. <laughs> no, it's a, I understand. <laughs> uh, it's it's because, you know, you would think that uh, the, the increased um, activity based on the damage from the storm might actually cause things to deviate. But then when you really think about it, the fact that some of the other goods – Stop moving for a period there, and you know there's a recovery period for that. So it kind of nets out at the end of the
0: day, right? And and it's interesting to note that that's happening even though in an area that he, it gets hit by a storm normally gets some hours of service waivers, and uh, you would expect that that might actually boost the mileage too. But there, I guess there are sometimes when transit and needs are so reduced because of the storm that it all washes out. That's right, and
1: you know. There are means, you know, in our indexes, and uh, we track them on a monthly basis. Typically, we find that, you know, there are blips, there are deviations, and then things do get back to the norm, if you will.
0: Now, you also had data on how far the impact extends if you take a, say, landfall as ground zero um, and you look at how many miles of, away from ground zero, uh, has to occur before, you know, wh- how many miles will you still see impact on the freight business? And you found quite a few. It's, uh, it's not small. How big is that range?
1: Yeah. We, we definitely found the impact in the adjacent states. So, so we, we approached it by, you know, state level, you know, and, um, depending on the the storm, where it hits, where you know the trajectory is, the severity of the storm. So there's a lot of different factors that go into that. And what we found is, um, obviously, the state where it hit has the most impact. And then it's literally a ripple, you know, as you as it progresses across um, its trajectory in terms of uh, the adjacent states. And further off you go, um, you know, as you move to the second level adjacency or the third level, the the impact keeps getting smaller and smaller.
0: Right. Now, your data also indicates uh, that it's granular enough that you can tell us what industries get hit the hardest and what industries get hit the least. So are there kind of general broad findings across what happens during storms? Yeah,
1: absolutely. So we are privileged to support customers in multiple industries, and we found that retail was impacted the most. And um, that's understandable, you know, retail shuts down uh, during the storm. But, you know, even before that, you know, there is, um, you know, increased activity as people prepare for, uh, you know, the shutdown, if you will. And then there's increased activity afterwards when people come out and start, you know, buying up goods that they realized they needed during the storm um so so there's definitely a significant impact in retail uh transportation and warehousing is another industry that has um uh impact and this is also very understandable because um you know you, you need that segment to to move the goods and um and it also shuts down when the storm hits and then picks back up once the damage is done uh oil and gas uh can be Um, you know severely impacted especially if storm hits in an an area that you know produces oil and it and or ships oil so um, it's in some ways it's a double whammy because um, depending on the state and the the specific location uh, not only is it a matter of uh, the movement of the oil stopping but in some cases the production might need to be stopped as well if uh, the storm lands in that area. So those are some of the big ones we found as we looked at the data.
0: You cited data from Hurricane Sally, and I had to admit when I read that, I thought to myself, I don't remember Hurricane Sally, <laughs> which hit Alabama. Um, I found it an interesting choice, and it made me wonder whether there are anomalies in your data, whether you find some smaller storms, maybe have bigger impacts than larger storms or or is it a pretty tight correlation the bigger the storm the bigger the impact on the transportation sector
1: great question and um uh we picked those two storms because they were somewhat near each other both in terms of time and location and we wanted to see if there were you know major differences and um uh, what we found is uh, to a certain extent the impacts are Uh, independent of the severity of the storm in terms of things, you know, the the patterns in terms of preparation, the the landfall and the recovery. Having said that, the duration of uh, each of these phases can vary depending on the severity of the storm. As, As you might imagine, you know, if there's extensive damage, it just takes longer for things to get back up and running and so on.
0: And is there any evidence that things are getting worse or are they getting better? Do, do you, did the data reveal that it's taking longer to recover from these storms? Or uh, I don't know if you're able to look at data from 10 years ago. You might not even have that data given the growth of ELDs. But uh, is there, do you have any view on duration here? In terms of the three phases? I shouldn't say duration. I'm sorry. Any, any view on impact, whether impact from storms today is worse than it was 10 years ago, or is the industry getting better in responding to them? Yeah, that is not something we
1: can tell from the data because as you noted, ten years ago, you know, we don't have a lot of data um given the evolution of the industry. Um having said that, you know, obviously the um uh, based on the the use of technology, based on improved forecasts, improved preparation, and uh, um just in general what we call the whole digital transformation segment which has accelerated quite a bit over the last year but you know we would anticipate that things are you know much faster in terms of uh, rebound and recovery than they were you know 10 years
0: ago um do you have any data on the the impact from the texas freeze or have you not looked at that yet it's a totally different storm it's a you know the hurricanes are warm weather storms and of course the freeze was very much not a warm weather incident do you have any data on that 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 says anything? We we did look at the Texas freeze as well, and
1: um, um, the trends were similar. Um, the severity was different because the duration was longer. <laughs> I was in the middle of that freeze. So oh, that's right. You're in Dallas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can tell from experience. Um, so it was much more widespread. And, and so... Um, the preparation phase was probably equivalent. Nobody expected it to be as bad as it turned out to be. Um, the, the actual, you know, what, what we call the, uh, the actual active phase, the landfall phase, um, in the case of the freeze, was wider duration. You know, in the Dallas area, it was uh, approximately a week or so. Uh, a storm normally doesn't take that long to sit in one area. There are exceptions, but not normally.
0: Yeah, they're um, very different. Yeah, very yeah. different. L- let me ask you. So, let's say a company—I don't know if you're selling this data or selling your findings or just kind of sharing them um, as a as a as a marketing uh, promotion. But let's say a company bought this data from you. What do they do with it to help them prepare?
1: Yeah. So, so you, you know, let me clarify. So, the these type of studies and insights are, you know, published uh, through marketing, and it's more for. You know the benefit of our customers over stakeholders um and uh and so, given that target audience you know we we recommend you know the three p's in trucking um the three p's being plan, prepare, and position and let me elaborate so before the storm hits, there is a planning phase no doubt, and uh this is when you know you're moving goods you're um uh, helping helping FEMA in some cases you're delivering um, freight where it's needed, and um, that's followed by the prepare phase. This is when, especially in the areas where the storm hits, you want to make sure that um, your assets are safe, your drivers are safe. You know, safe parking above uh, water lines. You know the uh, the goods and assets are stored away properly to minimize damage so that's the uh, the prepare phase if you will and then of course it's it's about staying safe when when the storm hits and um and once the storm is uh done then you want to make sure you're in the right position you know you're in the right position to be able to uh to dovetail into the spike the spike in terms of uh, the activity that is going to happen, you know. And so if you're positioned in the right places, preferably in adjacent states where from where the goods are going to move, that makes it a lot easier to kind of leverage the sport and the economic activity as it happens. So, so we look at it as a three-piece. I don't know if that makes sense to you, but uh, definitely – something that we find is extremely important.
0: Let me ask one final question uh, in your title is the term artificial intelligence and you are one of the director I guess you the director of the use of AI at OmniTracks and uh, wondering whether you think the trucking industry has even really begun to scratch the surface of what AI can do in this industry.
1: Yeah, that's also a great question. So so we are starting to to leverage AI a fair amount in uh, in our offerings, in the way we help our customers. And I'll give you a couple of examples, you know, um, the cameras in the cabs are becoming more intelligent uh, to help with safety, compliance and so on. So that's a form of AI, you know, computer vision to be specific, that's embedded in the cab, in the cameras that are in the cab. There are other examples in terms of, you know, routing dispatch, um that where we we're leveraging uh AI to, to provide better better solutions as we move forward. So there is a fair amount that's going on in terms of R and D, some of it's already in our products. So uh, definitely starting to see the trucking industry is definitely starting to see the benefits of that. And last but not least, you know just about everybody's heard about autonomous, you know, where uh, uh these trucks um you know the the goal is for these trucks to drive themselves now having said that you know we're no you know we're not close to that yet um but uh there is you know there is more automation we can bring to the to the trucks and the cabs so that you know there's less burden on the drivers to to be safe to be compliant to be able to Deliver assets in a timely manner. So, so we're, we're definitely starting to see a lot of innovation in that space too.
0: All right. We want to thank Dr. Rasheed Bose. He's the chief data and artificial intelligence officer at Omnitrax. I guess I should say AI officer. Nobody says it spills it out anymore. They never say art. They just say AI. It's just assumed. So anyway, he's been our guest here today on drilling deep. We want to thank him and we want to thank you for tuning in to Drilling Deep. We are part of the Freight Cash family of podcasts from Freightways. You can find us on all of the major podcast platforms. And oh, by the way, the entire editorial offering of Freightways this past week. Uh, won a Neil Award. It won not just like kind of a very specific granular Neil Award. The Neal Awards are the kind of Pulitzer Prizes of business-to-business pu- uh, publishing. And we won for general editorial excellence, which really covers everything, uh, our, our video, our podcasts, our offerings on Freightways.com. So we're real proud of that. And I wanted to mention that. We do hope that you will join us again. I'm your host, John Kingston. Thanks for listening.